welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. This episode is sponsored by Netting Pros. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals is an official partner of the ABCA and continues to provide quality products and services to many high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Make sure to let CEO Will Miner know that the ABCA sent you. Now on to the podcast. Next up on the ABCA podcast is Kofa High School head coach Gabe Ortiz. Ortiz was honored with the 2023 Central Valley Region Coach of the Year Award after Kofa won 11-1 in region play. Ortiz is also a USA Baseball veteran, helping with the SoCal, Southwest, and TIS, and helping with the USA Baseball Trials in Cary, North Carolina. Ortiz has been at the forefront of outfield development. Ortiz spoke at the 2022 ABCA Chicago Convention. I would highly recommend going back and watching his talk on developing athletic outfielders if you haven't seen it. Ortiz will be speaking at our UC San Diego Barnstormers this fall on reimagining your warm-up. He has some great ideas on an actionable warm-up to get your players game ready. Ortiz gives us a bunch of great nuggets in this one, so get your pad and pen ready. Let's welcome Gabe Ortiz to the podcast. How are you? Good, man. Busy, but but good. Yeah, you guys, your schedule is nuts for USA Baseball. Oh, I know. It's it's out of control. I'm there for the next two weekends. I'll come back for two days, but then I'll be there. I'll fly out tomorrow till Sunday, then fly out Wednesday and Sunday again. How come they go so late? Because I mean, it, I just show up when they ask me to. <laughs> just seems like kids are starting school already. Yeah, and not like for example, California started like yesterday. So we've been in school for about two and a half, two and a half, almost three weeks. And then I was at an event this past weekend and heard some Cali kids talking like, yeah, I start school tomorrow. So, I mean, you're going to, you're going to hit somebody either right before they start or right as they start. So, I mean, there's really no, yep. especially like a national event. I mean, you're going to hit some kids yeah. at the wrong time. It's just the nature of the beast. So how long are you out here for this one? Four days. I'll come out. Uh, Wednesday is our check-in day. What's the Thursday's age group? testing? Uh, this weekend, I'll be uh, coaching one of the Southwest teams, uh, 12U. So it's a 12U deal. Yeah, and then on the other side at the at Coleman is uh, the 14U. So they pair the 12U and 14U. Here with Gabe Ortiz, head coach of Kofa High School in Arizona, Yuma, and uh, 2023 Central Valley Region Coach of the Year, and about to head to Cary to help with USA Baseball. So Gabe, thanks for jumping on with me. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm kind of fired up for this. This is pretty, yeah, pretty cool. Heck yeah. Thank you. I mean, what have you really enjoyed about USA Baseball? I mean, shoot, I got to pick. There's there's so much that comes with it. Um, kind of, you know, the USA way. 
um, that I kind of got from RJ Farrell, kind of being on his a trial staff for a couple of years. Um, it, it's just, it's just a different environment. Uh, the guys they bring in, it's almost like a coaching clinic. Like it's, you, you, you're able to pick brains. I mean, they give us a staff of sometimes four times eight and, you know, we run through the guys in the trial side and all the kids are good. You know, it's awesome, you know, at that level, but just the, just the, the level of like knowledge that is, that is shared. I mean, it's, it's like, like a, like it's an ABCA, like you're done with the workouts for the day and you're like kind of at the lobby hanging out and you're just like throwing ideas. Like, well, what do you do in your program? What do you do in your program? Like I get, I get so much from, from those events. It's, it's, I, I, I love it. I can't get enough of it. I mean, how'd you get started with them? Okay. So around 2015 ish, uh, I was working uh, perfect game and I was on the pad, like, you know, doing, doing the kind of the scorekeeping thing. And um, a gentleman named Andy Rojo, he was, uh, he just got the Southwest regional gig for the NTIS. And he was kind of like, you know, at the park, just watching, you know, kind of get, getting things done. And then uh, he noticed I was like, taking notes and kind of these like, well, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. There's evaluators. And I kind of, if they come to our, ta- our, our field, I kind of want to have an idea of like who they should be locked in on or who I liked, whatever. So he's like, Hey, let's go eat lunch. And, um, took a, a lunch to subway and he's like, Hey, I'm starting this NTIS thing in the Southwest. Uh, come help me out. So we did like the regional. So the NTIS is like the kind of regional grassroots where we have local tryouts all over the country. We run the uh the south the southwest six states so like arizona nevada california mexico utah and even hawaii and uh, we run the local events tryouts kind of pro style tryouts and ultimately we get to round one round two to where we send a team of each aid group to carry north carolina for the ntis championships cup which is this month and um was doing that and loving it and i got to meet rj farrell and worked with him we had development camp did some infield stuff together and he's like hey do you want to get more involved i'm like absolutely so uh, got selected to help him on one of his trial staff in 2021. Got to go to Flower Mountain, Texas, and that was an incredible experience helping helping him and his staff pick that 12U team that ultimately won a gold medal that year. For somebody that doesn't know, so what's the difference between like the NTIS piece, but then also who's going to go make the national team? So it's basically like tiers. So like I, I, the NTIS, like I said, is that kind of grassroots where we kind of like grasp the kids that maybe not be invited to the JOs or the East or West championships, like every event that USA runs, there's, there's always selection for that next summer's programming, whether it be ADP, PDP, or a spring, uh, a training camp or a trial. So the NTIS is kind of that local regional that gets to the national level at the championships cup in North Carolina where the task force will be there. And they're trying to select a handful of individuals that will be placed in summer programming for the following summer. I mean, USA Baseball's had a lot of success at every level here lately. I mean, what do you feel like they're doing right with the training piece that maybe some other programs aren't doing? I think it's the quality of people they bring in. Um, they're baseball people. They're, there's a balance of having the, a, a, the ability to run an event efficiently, bring the right people in, both the directors who run the events from top to bottom, the coaches and the staff they bring in who are really, really excellent baseball players, and then just kind of have that blend of running good events with good people, it attracts the athletes. And they do a pretty good job of trying to, the outreach of, of bringing the proper teams to their, to the respective tournaments to where the players that need to be at that level to be seen and to be kind of evaluated are there. Um, so like I, from the top to the bottom, it's just, it's first class all the way. You do. Hey, and, and I was over there last summer, your warm up is phenomenal. And then you've posted a bunch of stuff with your camp stuff too, with warm up mm-hmm. stuff. How long have you been implementing kind of the different warm-up pieces? So last year, um, 
before before I was quote unquote the, the head guy here, we um we just we kind of sat down and we're like, you know, we we didn't have a lot of success within our program. And a lot of it was just due to lack of reps, um, lack of movement patterns. We, we didn't move very well. We weren't athletic. So we kind of try to think of something that we can get more bang for our buck, so to speak. And I, and I kind of thought, well, in the warm up, there's a lot of moving patterns that we are technically warming up our body, but we're going to do the moving patterns that replicate, replicate game movement. So um, like, for example, when we will do our, like our world's greatest mobility and flexibility stuff. But once we get to kind of loosen up there, everything we do is kind of will simulate base running. So like we'll have something where, you know, you standard um, secondary read and we'll have like a fake steel get back. So we're moving laterally. We're trying to be athletic, but like the, the main key is like everything we're doing our warm up is a direct correlation to a movement that we're going to see in game. And then we flip that to the defensive side where, you know, we do the on time with the ball, like the infield drill that, you know, Nate Trotsky's done, you know, boom on time. And then we work, you know, on time, break left on time, break right drop step. So, we're actually doing a series of agility drills, but we just kind of group it into agility movements that we would go in on a ball, uh, put the ball on the ground, run up, pick it up barehanded, act like we're throwing on the run. Um, partners catch a lot of like hand-eye skill. Like I said, we need to, we need to kind of clean up a lot of the um, the skill set for some of our guys, our younger guys that we had in the program all back. And a lot of it was just like lateral catch, you know, you know, um, body consent movements, boom, boom, drop steps. Um, a lot of just extra, I saw a PVC extra touching pipe where you're trying to catch the yeah. PVC pipe before it drops. Mm-hmm. So we brought my, uh, my buddy who coaches in California. He's uh, he has a doctorate in exercise wellness, Dr. Steve. Um, he came down for the camp and he's like an elementary, elementary, uh, stu- uh, student, elementary P teacher. And he loves it. And he's all about creating athletes. So he's super creative with that. Like PVC pipes or they they'll hold it up and they'll drop it, switch and run put on the ground, do some jillies over it and they eat it up. It's crazy how like you just get something as simple as a PVC pipe, cut it in half and then just let kids run around it and, you know, like try to jump over it. It's, it's nuts. They have a really good time and they're actually kind of developing some athletic movements too. Were your Kofa guys okay with that when you first started doing it? Yeah. Um, we've been very fortunate with, with the group we've had so far. Um, and this, in this kind of short stint with this two years so far, they've been open-minded um, eager to learn. I could not be more happier with the group of guys we had. And they kind of came in on that 20, that 26 class or 25 classes was the first kind of class that had to be thrown in the fire freshman as you know, freshman in the varsity level. The 26 class came in and our 27 class. Now they're just, they're baseball rats. Like it's, it's insane. They, they're always asking questions. They're, they don't want to leave the field. I mean, they, they get there early and that's kind of stuff that we try to implement within our program. Um, but yeah, they're super open to it. Um, and then we're trying to kind of implement some competitiveness to competitiveness to it. So like, you know, how many balls can we catch in a row? Uh, can we go one leg and catch? Like just kind of get real into instability pieces. Um, yeah, they eat it up. They, they love it. Are there some things you've gotten rid of? Maybe some traditional warm up stuff that you've gotten rid of? Um, yeah, probably most of it. Uh, you know, we, we've done on the catch piece on the, on the, on the catch, on the uh, catch play. What we start off with is we'll have two lines facing each other. And we'll just start with like a glove flip, backhand glove flip, front hand glove flip. And then we'll go option feed, scissors feed, like all the speeds that we can come into a six, four feed. Then we start going behind the backs and then we start patting the ball down and glove flipping. Like, so we've worked into that into on the run throws. So we call it kind of our run the run series. So, um, you know, trying to pick a quarterback, Patrick Mahomes or run, you know, run pocket left, throw on the run. And we'll do jump throws, we'll do turn throws. Like we just, that kind of takes out that, you know, that, wrist flip stuff like we do, which is no wrong, not wrong. I thought we'll do that for our pitcher sometimes to get that four seam feel, but 
we've kind of mixed in those athletic lines and that kind of takes out that 45 to 60 foot range. And then once you're ready to go, we're at 90 plus. And then now we start doing like the running gun a little bit. We'll do a shuffle, shuffle back forward. So everything's like, we like to think for a purpose. Um, so everything's scripted. Uh, we'll mix it up. You know, we'll do different drills each day, but I think I've gotten rid of just this kind of standard line catch play. Um, when people kind of watch us warm up, it, it doesn't look traditional, but then again, like, I don't think, I don't think we're a traditional ball club sometimes. And we want to kind of do things where we can get more bang for a buck. And, and it's, it, I mean, we had coaches like, what are you guys doing? You know? And some kids were like, Hey, they're throwing behind their back. Yeah. And that's, I would take it as a compliment. And we've got some coaches like, Hey, send me your warm up. Like, no problem. I'll do it up. So, um, that's probably the one of the main things we got rid of early in the warm up is the traditional stretching and traditional kind of catch play. What were some other things you were trying to get accomplished then when you first took over? Besides kind of the athleticism warm up piece, what were some other things you're trying to get it get changed? Oh, dude, um, the big thing and, and, and the first thing and probably I'm most happy with so far is and I know it sounds cliche, man, like but just trying to build a better better kid, a better individual that's going to set them up for long term success. Um, I was an assistant here for a while and just it's a different animal down here, but close to the border. Um, so one thing we wanted to do was really enhance some soft skills. Um, so we kind of developed a covenant and we, we had some classroom time. We had a, a slideshow um, that talks about the characteristics that we want to instill, not only on the field, but off the field as well. Um, and that comes from like professionalism to communication. So like our, our, our covenant, so to speak, is reps, R-E-P-S. So I kind of stole that from like Brian Kane back in the day with Miss Old Miss and like that. So. It stands for relentless enthusiasm, professionalism, and selflessness or selfless. And we try to clean up and they've been awesome with it. So like the R for relentless is, you know, from the book by Tim Grover, um, Jordan's trainer. We know we've talked about that before. So it's a constant, constant strive for excellence improvement. You know, like the premise of that book is, you know, done what's next. We're always trying to shoot for more. And that's kind of what we try to instill is like, Hey, there's always an improvement to, to be done on, on any skill set or in and out of the classroom. The, the ease for enthusiasm, like we, you know, Anytime you have a great amount of enthusiasm at something, I mean, there's going to be some positive that comes out of it. And that's inside and outside the classroom. And I know it's hard sometimes to be really enthusiastic about writing a paper or taking an exam or an assessment. But like, it's one of those things, man. It's, you know, fake it, you make it. Like if you're in it enthusiastically, then, you know, some positive is going to happen. And the P for professionalism was kind of what our biggest one was just that, like that soft skill piece of, of being professional. Um, and not like necessarily in the, the sense of being getting paid to do something, but just acting like professional would, you know, doing your job when it's to be done. And the big thing that we try to really harp on was punctuality. I'm a, I'm a big punctual guy. I'm, it's almost weird. Like I, nothing, not a whole lot of things really irk me, but if I'm late somewhere, I just, it, it, it doesn't sit like I just get, you know, I, I'm a punctual guy. So um, having them being on time, understand the value of time, um, being punctual, not only the, the practice, but the class as well. And then the big other piece that we are doing a really good job of so far is communication, whether it be communicating with teachers um, on assignments. Um, hey, you know, I, I have this turned in or even, you know, on game days, on, on game days, we're on the road or we're on a, on a trip. Uh, we have to they, they have to email all their teachers and explain where they're going, what they're going to miss well in advance. Um, if there's an issue where, like, for example, I had a, a, one of our athletes in my fourth period class, something came down during um, in the morning. They couldn't find the ride. Mom had to go to work early. We use Slack, the app Slack. And yeah, no, he shoots me, a, shoots me a Slack and says, hey, I'm not going to make it to school today. Let me know what I'm missing. Like, absolutely. So that was kind of the first thing that we really try to instill and is, is to be just better 
on off, on off the field because the reality of it is like, you know, very few get to move on to next levels, but they're all going to move on in the professional world. And I think some of the things that they're improving on is going to help them set up for success. Not maybe in college or their career or the case may be. So that was our big thing. I mean, how do you handle that from an accountability standpoint when that, that culture may not be there? They may not see that any other place other than with the program. So how do you handle that accountability piece? Yeah, so so what we did, and that's the thing too, and we're pretty open. Like like I said, it's 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 a two-way street. And, um, you know, we try to model it uh, as a staff as well. And we, we tell them like, hey, you know, we're going to do the same thing too. Like, you know, when we have to miss for your trip, there's there's an order of operation communication we go through with administration and personal leave and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But one thing that, that I thought really worked well was um, we had, like I said, we had classroom sessions. So we'd have, like I said, like a, a PowerPoint, Google slideshow, um, break it all down, what the definition of it, examples of what it looks like. But what we started to do, so they can kind of see it firsthand, was two or three times a week early on in the fall and in the spring, um, you know, it's a, hey, you know, open, open discussion. Did anybody see anything that was representing our reps today? And, you know, person raised their hand. Hey, I saw Leo. Um, pick up some trash to, the, to the, uh, the table next to us at lunch. Like, you know, that's professional, that's selfless, making the, the environment better or, um, uh, Hey, call on this. So like what we're trying to do is not only identify some pro- the behaviors that are going to be like leading to positive behaviors and, and growth, but not only identify, but celebrate it as well in that group setting. And I thought once they're able to see people do it, and what it looks like, it, it's contagious. And and the cool part, we have a catcher, uh, uh, Roldan. He's he's awesome. Like I'm trying to like you know tongue in cheek, like hey, why don't you just forego your junior and senior year and just be a coach? Like you're gonna be awesome for us. You know that's what we're trying to do with him. Um, but you know he's the kind of guy that's kind of you know quiet, reserved sometimes. But he'll kind of let people know, you know, hold accountable. Like for me, you know, the, something came up last year and I may or may not have said a word, bad word, or you know, some, some vulgarity in practice. And he's like, coach, that's not reps. And I'm like, easy, Roldy, if you, you know, responsibility of our tandem play, I would need to swear, but stuff like that. And, and they're really cool about it. And, and I, and I, I welcome that. Like I welcome that and I'm the selfless part, you know, I'm, people who know me, I'm kind of selfish sometimes, but like I welcome for them to, to kind of hold us accountable. So it's a two way streets when they see us and they know that they can say, Hey, you know, coach, is that what we're supposed to do? And I'm like, you're absolutely right. Um, I, and I, I think that helps growth on both ends too. Is that where the USA baseball piece comes in too? A little, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And that's some things like, you know, I, I, you know, like any coach, we, we pick, beg and borrow and steal. Um, we do some things that, that I, that I saw in the USA one. Um, the one that I thought parents were kind of like taken back by, we, we have a rule that um, there are no cell phones at, at team dinners. So if we we're on the road, um, you know, we try to get them something healthy, like a subway or Chipotle or kind of the spots we go to, um, there's no cell phones. And, you know, part of that professional was a communication piece with the parents. We have a parent meeting in the fall and early in the spring. Uh, we tell them, hey, you know, your kid's going to have the phone the whole entire time up on the trip. But once we have a team meal, the, the phones are put away. And it's just it promotes communication and it promotes like the bonding and, and you know, kind of cohesiveness. Um, and that's something I, I took from RJ. Like RJ, we had no phones, hats off inside, you know, kind of like your your typical traditional, like respectful things to do. Um, that was like the main thing was the phone. I really enjoyed that scene at USA side. And we took it over here. And it's awesome. Like you. You hear kids talk and look at each other instead of like kind of buried in the phone and it heads down. So that, that was a plus for us, I think. Do you feel like that's the best way to get kids to start communicating is putting technology down? I think that's one of them. I, I think that's one of them. Um, it, it's funny. There's, you know, like I said, we've been in school for um, about two and a half weeks and we've, our, our campus has instilled a, not a no phone policy, like 
the phone has to be away and it was kind of lax before and you're seeing a lot more interaction on the collaboration piece in class and, and i teach the pta so i have all like i have most of our athletes in, in the class on the baseball program but i think that's one of them and then putting them like in kind of competitive environments um to kind of like have them communicate like kind of team building stuff like we ran some relays the other day in class as like an activity with tennis balls bounce pick up like more athletic stuff and just like that cohesiveness of communicating and collaborating and also competing a little bit, I think that helps a lot too. Um, but there's sometimes like, for example, the technology piece helps us with our Slack app. app. Um, I'll shoot videos. If I see something on, you know, on, on, a, on a game that is something that applies to us, whether it be a, a bunt situation inside game or a tandem play, like I'll, I'll do it up. So I can't totally say I'm anti-tech I think tech's a big piece in, in the learning process of this. But as far as like building relationships, yeah, I think there's, there, there's there's something to be said about that too when you took over what were some things that kind of stuck out that maybe not that you weren't ready but maybe that you didn't think about before you took the program over um just being a better communicator and being and being organized a lot more um you know you always hear like once you you're in the you know the big seat so to speak like just everything you know, like the, the shift goes away as an assistant, you're like all field stuff and, and development stuff. And now that you have a different title that, you know, there's more stuff that goes into it. And I, and I knew that going in, you know, the previous coach, I was, he let me, he, I had some autonomy to do a lot of stuff. And I was kind of in some of the, the, the administrative side of things. And um, I, I get to be an assistant AD here as well. So I kind of see that side of the athletic world. Um, and it really, it really doesn't bug me too much because I know that all that stuff on the outside of it, the club stuff and, you know, the travel work and, you know, clearing stuff. There's some kind of course we have to take. Um, my assistant, Eddie, Eddie Correa, he does a fantastic job of like helping me out. Like shoot, sometimes I like who's the head coach. I'll point to him. He does all the work and, and he got that from you. Thank you. Um, he went to, uh, I took him to Nashville a couple years ago, ABCA. One of his first was in Nashville and uh, went to the rookie mentorship and you kind of chimed in and you said, Hey, assistants, you know, do take, take, take the, the jobs that the head coach doesn't want to do. And he kind of looked at me and said, that's everything. So I'm like, yeah, I'm fired up, man. So um, he does a great job with that. But, you know, that was one thing I knew coming in that was there's going to be a little more organization side piece to it. Um, so it had to be um, a lot more organized and the communication from top to bottom, from either the, the administration, second administration, from AD to secretary, to our assistants, to um, all three levels. Um, that was one thing. We do something a little different here. We, we, um, we practice um separately so I, me and our assistants will go to both practices we don't just send a freshman down to the lower field and hey let's we we run everything together and then the lower level comes out varsity comes back in so um just communicating from so lay top that to bottom. schedule out so when i so for anybody that so lay that so when you're laying the schedule out for all three teams how how does that time schedule work okay so one i have like i said i had a um two former players and that kind of helps out like um, I tried to, it, it worked out that our staff last year, we had four former players. Um, one was a volunteer assistant. He was, a, he was older than me, um, played pro ball with the Phillies, but ASU hall of fame guy, he could come out, but our main assistants was Damon Hernandez. And, and like I said, Eddie, um, we would, and they're in it, man. Like they're young, they're, they're ambitious. They're, I mean, they're, they, they, they live it. Um, it's a hard schedule for us, but like we have some support at the house. What the schedule looks like is. We call uh, lower level, so we combined or quote unquote like freshman and JV, um, and even then we don't call them freshman JV. We call them relentless and enthusiasm. Like those are a group. So the freshman team is relentless, not freshman team. It's team relentless and team enthusiasm. So we have them from 
315 to 43445. And we run that same staff, same four of us. And we have some lower level coaches that'll float in, um, that will come in, come out. Like no, they can leave after the after the lower level. So we'll do that from about 315 to 345 ish. And we kind of work the basics. We like in like any lower level, like we're working on skills and drills, you know, improving just baseball IQ at that level that needs to be done, understanding cuts and relays, base coverage, like at the at the lowest level that we feel that they're ready for. And then they move out and then our, our upperclassmen come in, a varsity schedule, and then we run that, you know, everything we need as, as far as that day. And then we'll kind of, it's obviously we coach to the level. Um, it's long days for us as, as a staff, but like, I just felt, you know, going in, you know, we, when we took over, I just felt, I just, I, I knew, you know, playing, you know, when you play, you know, you look at the varsity level and the varsity coaches and us like, whoa, like, I just felt that we owe it to our kids and our program that they get the best of all of us. Like they just, the lower level freshman guy is going to see me at practices and the way the schedule worked out are the freshman, the JV varsity are tied, you know, to home games and away games and the freshmen are relentless are away. So like there's, there's been time, shoot, I've done, I've done game changer at a freshman game before I've been coached first base. Like, so like I try to be involved as much as I can just kind of help. And, and Eddie's the same way. Like we, we talk about within our staff is like, we don't have like head coach, assistant coach. We have coaches, we have coaches and we have a program and we try to do the best we can from top to bottom. So um, it's a little different. Like I said, it's a little, it's a little um, hard on us. And I, and I kind of rolled that out to AD and he's like, are you going to do this every day? I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, there's some days where we'll split them up. If, if we have, if it's a day before a game for the varsity guys need to get out there early, if we're going to travel early the next morning, we'll, we'll have some flexibility with that, but more times than not, we're running basically a double session. So for double cuts and relays, like you said, you not that you dummy it down, but what are you trying to get out of that for that lower level than you maybe well, would with your well, varsity team? So on that level is understanding, you know, cut the distance down and understanding where to line up, what base, proper bases to throw to um, and playing, playing it clean, you know, like just making it clean and, and, and making it to where it's, it's pickup, where we're supposed to be with coverages and we're thrown to the right base. Whereas the varsity level, there's a little more autonomy to where, you know, we still want clean and cut off angles and get the, you know, the outfield stuff. We want to make sure we distance between barrel and glove and everything's lined up. But on the outfield side, we, we try to run back doors a lot and we try to understand, Hey, let's, let's be organic with that. It's not just a double relay. Hey, it's running on first base. We're double relay. We're going for like, we have, I want to instill them. And this is like, this stuff we practice like in, in classroom, like right now it's 109 degrees. And so in the foot, in the fall, like we'll have classroom talks. Uh, we'll go to Coach Correa's classroom, and we have we have like a board, you know, like one of those TV boards, and we'll start. We'll like you know, baseball savant. We'll just we'll type in. We have like, like a list of, of plays, and we've filmed practices for the varsity level. I think we're trying to get to where we can have have them think on the fly because base runners change and the decisions are being made, and we want to make sure that they understand at a decent level high cue or where to throw, where to back door, or where to check down. We're, we're big check down people. We check down the bases. Keep it at night. Keep those plays in order. I mean, how are you balancing your USA responsibilities with your high school stuff? Because I mean, you started teaching already. So how are you balancing? all Yeah, that? it's it's tough. So like the blessing in disguise. Um, so we just started football. So like the fall sport. So football, volleyball. What our what our district does is we have a two uh, two week dead period. Um, so with a two week dead period, we can't do anything. That runs till the 18th. So we can technically start here in a couple of days. So that lets me get out of town a little bit. It's not ideal. Um, it gets me out of town a little bit to, um, to do the USA stuff. And then 
coming back. We'll start here in a couple of weeks when I get back on the second trip to North Carolina. We'll start with our classroom stuff, redoing our covenant stuff. So kind of like it's a silver lining. Um, it's kind of like, you know, best of both worlds a little bit because of that break and the heat. Um, but the what else is helpful is, like I said, I teach the PTA classes. So I have almost every player in our program is in my class some way, shape or form. So I can be here during the week and we're getting it's I mean, it's it's athletic stuff. I can't say it's a baseball class because it's certainly not. But we're trying to get the foundational strength going, foundational movements. Um, so I'm around them there. So that's where kind of like I said, for example, um, a couple of days ago, we're in relay races and we're building that relationship. And we have a new a new crop of 27s coming in and they're with mixing with upperclassmen and they're kind of getting to know each I think kind of know each other already because it's a small community. Um, but the 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 classroom piece is, is just an additional extension to our program that we can kind of really build relationships and kind of get to the cohesiveness going. And the teaching part helps you get out of your baseball lane a little bit too, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I, I think it's kind of both. And that, I'm the I'm the instructional leader for the P department. And one thing that we talk about in a kind of our like our PLCs and then kind of like I said, hey, you know, like if you're going and they all coach, like we have two basketball coaches and we have assistant AD and we have a soccer coach. Like it's like if you're going about PE, like you're teaching, like you're like you're coaching, you're going to do a pretty good job. You know, it's not roll the balls out. I mean, you're going to be, I mean, think about a coach that does it at a decent, a decent clip. You're moving around. There's constant feedback. There's praise. Uh, the drill set is constant movement. There's not a lot of standing around. And it's like, that's kind of our PE goal. So like, I mean, right or wrong, I kind of interchange it. Like I, I think I, I teach how I coach and I coach how I teach. Like I just know separation of that. And I think it kind of helps. Um, especially when I get a wide variety of, of, of students and of athletes that are different movers, whether it be a volleyball player, or it's more vertical. Like, I think it helps me to understand different moving patterns and how to kind of communicate, you know, different, different ways of saying the same thing. And I, and I carry that over kind of back and forth. And I think that's a plus. On our end. How do you not make the playoffs last year when you went 11 and one in your region? Um, cause I, I'm asking, cause I don't know, you know, yeah. every state is so, completely different. So I just saw, we, I'm doing research on you, even though you and I know each other very well, I'm still doing yeah. research on you. And I saw you guys were 11 and one last year in region. 11, play, yeah. It, it's, it's one of those things. And we knew going in, it, 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 it comes down to uh PowerPoint. So AIA Arizona has some PowerPoints and six, eight through, you know, one a, um, and for the life of me, like I, I've given up on trying to figure this out. Um, our assistant coach Eddie, we're our last game of the year. We're kind of flirting with that last spot to get in, and he's like breaking down numbers because he's looking at other people's like rankings and powerpoints and when like, and he's like, this doesn't make any sense. And we knew going in, like we knew what our schedule looked like. It, was, it, it came down to I think a strength of schedule, um, and playing teams from like the lower division, upper division, or conferences. You know, we knew going in that we're gonna we're gonna be kind of like that that mid-major in football where like you got to run the table and you got to be impressive doing it. We kind of knew that going in that we'd have to be pretty special and we had very few opportunities to kind of slip up. And, you know, we finished 15-8 overall, which was which is good. Um, but it was kind of bittersweet. We ended up winning a region title, which hasn't been done in, in quite some time. And so we had that celebration as far as, hey, you know, your conference champs, you know, you get a you get a, a year on the banner in the outfield that there's something that, that can't take away from you. But the kind of the, the bitterness of it was we, you know, selection day, we're sitting three spots out of the last spot. Um, so we knew going hey, in and that's your just, location. I mean, do you have, I mean, do you have more say so in, in who you play with your location? Well, what happens here is, is we have six high schools in, in our area. So like people think our, our town is small, but we have six big high schools. And there's th there's three that are 6A above us. We're in 5A, and there's a couple that are 4A. 
So right then and there, like we got to play each other. And that's what, that's like a competition. It saves on budget, saves on travel. It's like, you know, rivalries. So we play each other, but like, you know, if we drop one to the 4A school, that doesn't help our strength of schedule. And the 6A school plays a 4A and 4A plays a, you know, if we're not ranked really high in the 5A and a 4A beats us, I mean, we're not helping each other out. So that kind of helps with the travel on our end. Um, we do have a little bit of what they call freedom games where we can kind of try to schedule um, some out-of-conference games. And I'm going to try to be a little more. And I've, we've talked about this with AD in, the, in our closure meeting last um, last year. And I've kind of reached out to, you know, coaches within the state that, you know, I have high respect for and they run a great program. And it's like, hey, let's let's play you, you know. And a lot of them said yes. And we're going to try to make that happen to kind of give ourselves a little more um, a little better chance to, to kind of make a playoff run or try to get it, get in at least. And you're an outfield guy, but with your head coaching responsibilities, are you still diving in with the outfield play as much as you were before? Um, I will this year. So last year, um, like I said, um, like I can't, I can't go, you know, a day or two without talking about our Cincinnati. Like he's, he's awesome. So he's been an infield guy all his life. He played infield for us in the middle. Um, he comes with me to everything we do. He comes with the USA stuff. He comes to our perfect game stuff. He comes to everything, all the clinics and camps. Uh, 24-year-old, um, really good infield guy, really good infield guy. Um, but last year I felt that, you know, to help him grow, let's let's add another – because he, he kind of said, it, I'm just an infield guy. And I'm like, nope, we're not just an infield guy. We're not – you're going to be a baseball coach. So – and, like, he he welcomed that challenge. And I like to say, I gave you – I gave you keys to Rolls-Royce because I had those four – I had those three freshmen – uh, play varsity in the outfield like that first year I was there and they did pretty good like they were like I said they're 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 baseball rats they're open-minded they're willing to work they learn they, they're fast learning curve and then I just threw all the stuff I throw at like you guys seen I throw at them and and they picked it up well so I'm like hey man don't don't screw it up so I let him run the outfield last year um like I said just to give him um another tool in his in his in his uh tool shed so to speak uh this year I think I'm gonna go back to the outfield to kind of let him get back in the infield um, we have a young core. Um, he has uh, just kind of, you know, he feels more comfortable there, but I give him that chance, you know, getting outfield and kind of he has an experience, but I think I'll go back to the outfield. But, but then again, like, like you said, we, we don't have assistants. We don't have, you know, you're an assistant, you're a gym, like we have coaches and we're going to float around. Um, we're, we're not stuck to he's the infield guy and the outfield guy. There's going to be times where I think if, if he can do a better job of doing something in the infield, I'm going to slide him in there. Um, and same thing with hitting. Like we have, we understand that there's different, different types of movement patterns and different approaches. And when it comes to, there's no, definitely no cookie cutters. Um, so we, we do that as the staff, but we did, I thought we did pretty well last year where, Hey, you know, this group of guys, you're going to go with coach Hernandez because I think he does a better job explaining it this way. This group of guys are going to come with me. Cause I think you understand my lingo a little better. So we'll break it up like that. And the same thing defensively, like I'll jump out there. Um, I'll jump out there and get with those guys and I'll come back in and um, you know, we'll kind of mix in the catchers here and there too. So we kind of try to have our hands in everything. Knowing you've got young guys out there, how did you handle, like, okay, I know they're going to have to play varsity. How did you handle that with the speed of the game stuff so they're not overwhelmed as as youngsters out there? So what we did last year, what I thought really helped out was, one, um, they did an excellent job of that, that core nucleus of young guys, even the older guys got on it too. Like, we'll start here at the end of the month, and we won't stop until until – our season's over in May. Um, we go five times, four times a week. Um, and I got that model from when I was at Arizona Western, like it was awesome. Like it, we did sometimes seven days a week and I, you know, I felt, and I saw so much growth there and we won't make it, we can't make it mandatory, but it's like, Hey, we're going to be here every day. 
Um, you know, any, anything you do enough and we do it, we try to have, you know, some, some practice schemes that are going to, you know, kind of that, that sweet spot of practice. We're going to have a little bit of failure. So we, we, we worked a lot. We practiced a lot. We're able to get 18 fall games in, um, through our travel club. Cause we have kind of like a, a travel organization that has most of our guys, some guys from other schools as well, but, um, we got to, we got a lot of game action in, and then we do a lot of simis, man. Um, that was kind of our thing in the fall was we set the machine. And we would put runners on, put them in motion, and just, you know, kind of, kind of try to simulate balls in the gap. Or, you know, um, we'd have them use. You know, sometimes we did use metal bats, and every once in a while we'd try to throw like a negative five in there. Like there's some old ass ones in the shed that like jump off the bat. So we'll do that a little bit, um, and that we'll just put them in spots to where like they're they're forced to speed it up. And I think having them down check and, and back door and this and that, and, and having runners. Um, in the fall, and this is nothing new, like you've seen it, like we had runners go just berserk, like, hey, try to get thrown out. Like we have a, a game where you go first to third, I'm sorry, first, third, second home. Like you have, you can't, you have to, you have to go. And that helped, that helped the decision-making process, I think a lot for our young guys to, to make better decisions on what base to throw to, like I said, split the runners, keep able play. I think they caught on that. Pretty, and they're, I mean, they're, they're smart kids. Like, you know, our center fielder was a 4.2 GPA kid, super IQ guy. Um, and so that that helped a little bit, like just put them in those situations, speed up practice a little bit, throw some funky stuff, some funky stuff at them, to see how they respond. I think that kind of expedited their development. I mean, how do you know the the difference between the challenge piece and also not burying guys either, though? We kind kind of setting it up like kind of like, hey, we're gonna speed this up on you, and like kind of giving the freedom to fail. Um, with our with my my PTA one class, like. I tell them, and it sounds weird. I'm like, I want you to fail. Like, I like you're gonna go home and tell your parents, hey, the first two days of school, my my PE teacher's telling me that he wants me to fail. And it's like, you know, something as simple as, you know, one of our uh, warm up pieces, like a single leg RDL. Like, if you're not teeter tottering around, like you're not getting in that uncomfortable position, right? So we kind of set that up, like, hey, this is gonna be a challenge. This is gonna be a challenge drill. Let's see you kind of compete a little bit, so you can kind of like figure it out, you know. And then there's always that that feedback at the end. Um, so like kind of letting them know ahead of time, like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to push a little bit and you're probably going to fail and see how you handle it. Berto wanted me to ask you about pre-pitch for outfielders. Cause he, I asked Berto questions and he said he wanted to know when should they land? If not, he was like, cause I know you guys are avid watchers of yeah. MLB outfielders. He's like, well, some MLB outfielders don't do pre-pitch stuff. You know, he, he just wanted your opinion. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to probably give like the the political correct answer. We're going to go individual based. Um, you know, and we talked about this all the time with the outfield guys. Like sometimes and we've, you know, when you have that transition guy that goes from the infield to the outfield, like he's on prep on time, like as in hitting zone. And I'm, I'm not going to take that away from that individual. Right. So but it's just like, OK, are you getting that great jump? Are you getting that great read? And we talk about like what's more important, your first step quickness or your first step quickness with the correct directional step you know i think that's that's the key piece is everybody wants a quick first step and, and don't, don't get me wrong quick first steps are huge but is that first step a directional accurate first step and i think we can sacrifice a quick wrong for a maybe a smidge slower but accurate um so i think that comes down to okay when do you feel you're getting a better jump off the bat are you gonna hesitate that little sec that half a second half a tick When's past hitting zone on contact? Because you see big leaguers. I mean, we talked about a couple guys on, on our Zoom. There's some guys that don't even look like they're moving when the ball's in the zone and ball and you know barrels being being through the zone barrel release and then they're breaking. Um, 
Do you feel so, like that's because they're further away? The hitters further away from the outfield. Yeah, absolutely. They've got a lot yeah. more time. They, 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 they got, got a lot more, more time. time. They got a ton more time, and, and there's there's a lot more time to like because there's a different read. Like there's a different read with angle of the baseball, and there's now there's hook and slice where the ground ball you got limited time, and then the outfield piece you got a little more time, but you're gonna have some hook and slice and top spin to where like you're gonna have to not only get a quick first step but read that read that kind of like, like you read a top spin ground ball when to come and get when to come get a short out push through. Um, same thing in the output. So I think you can buy yourself a little more time, but to go back to it, I think it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I think the universal outfield drill is, is, is batting practice, but I, it's more than just, you know, Hey, go shack some fly balls for live. I think there's, there's a feedback piece and conversation piece out there. And that was one thing at Western I got to really dive into is because I didn't throw BP and we had more guys on staff and I was able to like specialize in going out there and like, Hey, well, position is special. Like, do you feel you're going back on a ball better than in front of the ball? Well, let's, let's get there in BP and work. So it's just one of those things where I kind of give some autonomy to our guys on when they want to prep step and when they feel pretty good. You know, MLB has an advantage because of Hawkeye, so they can see all that yep. stuff. But as a high school coach, we can't see that. So how are you relaying, okay, this is I'm no catching. It's probably the, the best feedback that you can get on that. But if you see somebody not taking a direct route, or getting bad reads on that. What are some ways without some of the technology out there to be able to relay well, that to them? That's a good question. Yeah. I mean, we're film, heavy in film's one of them, but obviously yeah, we're one. limited at the high school level as far as what we have from filming as well. One thing I thought helped to kind of get them to understand, like, whoa, that's a better job. Because sometimes feels not real. Like sometimes we feel like, hey, we're we're on we're on track on this, but we're really not. So one thing that we kind of do is, um, and nothing crazy. We, we're heavy on machines. So we kind of simulate the drop as, you know, the hand dropping in is kind of the barrel path going in. And we will put a cone out to its preset where the ball is going to land on the cone. And we're going to we're going to mix up a little bit. Are you going to be on time as through break and go? Or are you going to be a little late to let let yourself read, spin, reach, read flight? And then like that tells you, like, am I camped under that cone and I'm coming through or am I still on the run? And that that kind of piece where they're arriving either later on time and it's not crazy where I'm like, you know, treading water waiting, or I'm like reaching out like it's, they can kind of tell did they arrive on time or they arrive a tad bit late. Um, that's kind of the best way we can kind of like give that feedback without having that like that high end technology, I think, um, they can feel a little bit like, hey, I got to that ball a lot quicker. You get that ball a lot quicker because your route was more efficient because you knew where it was at, possibly, or did you get the ball quicker because your read on the prep step was a better timing for you to have a better read and a better jump. I mean, is that what you're relaying in game to them too? I mean, similar yeah, stuff in so, game. Yeah. So um, one thing that I did at Western um, that was a really good feedback for like lack of like of you know of um, technology was you know every time you know you have a stopwatch, I have a stopwatch everywhere I go, right? So you know you, you get the ninety, you know on, on contact. I was able to to plot. Now you, you put that on the on the um, on the ABC uh, app. I was able to plot, you know, kind of like loosely plot where where our guys were catching balls and hang time of catching balls. So if I knew my my center fielder at Western, Zach Huffins, was catching balls relatively easy camped with a hang time of 4.8 and, you know, drop step three steps to the right, left, left center gap, cool. Okay, then that's a pretty good jump. But if it was a very similar hang time, a very similar spot, then there's a then, then there's there's a conversation here. You know, what happened there? You know, was it a late jump? Was it a late read? And that's kind of where, and then, you know, that at that level, like there's more of a collabor collaboration piece, like more of a conversation, like, oh, and they kind of know themselves a little more. Um, so it's more of back and forth. But at the high school level, same kind of thing is like, hey, you know, that, that hang time was at a 5-1-2. 
positioning. We don't we don't do a whole lot of crazy positionings at the high school level. We kind of keep base extended, you know, cover the gaps. If we see something extreme, obviously we'll make those adjustments. But just the lack of data we have, um, we only play our conference teams twice, so we're not going to have a, a, a library of at bats form. We'll have we'll have some stuff the following year with the returners you know, moving forward. But it's one of those things. If we read a swing, then obviously we'll move to you know the swing. But um, that's kind of one of the things, kind of low end technology is hang time. And, and, you know, that ball probably should have been caught according to the hang time and go from there. Straight up similar high school for you than Arizona Western. Did you switch it all with straight up for your high school guys? Um, Western was a little different because our ballpark played different. Um, and we had different personnel. And so like, for example, we had a short porch and uh, actually short porches down the line, 315 down the line. Um, and the ball carried a little bit. Uh, it's a different, it's a different game. Like we were, I mean, they're grown men and they're hitting balls off the wall and over the wall. So the depth was a little different. So like, for example, our left fielder, um, he was, he's with Seattle. He's in the Seattle edition now, Spencer Packard. He was a banger. Right. And, um, we just basically said, Hey, let's, where do you feel comfortable, you know, running down glove side or running down back, you know, running down backhand towards the line. And he's like, I feel better running glove side, which most people do. Cause that's that vision piece. So we would shade him. We would shade him closer to the line and back a little bit. So, like, if anything got beat, it'd be one hop off the wall, maybe a chance to kind of get a, you know, take that double away to a long single. And then it let him allow him to be on the strength side of moving towards the gap just because he knew himself a little better. And we'll do that a little bit on the high school side, too. Um, We know that uh, some of our guys work better in and out. um, And then we'll kind of try to do that especially, too. Um, you know, two strikes, we're going to be backside in, you know, we'll do kind of the traditional things that are, that are across the board. But like I said, with more contact, t- contact time and more game, more data at the junior college level we had, because we're playing literally three times more games. We're practicing a lot more. We, you have a better understanding of what they can do and they do too. Uh, so that goes in positioning as well. Would you go back to the college side? <sighs> yes and no. Berto wants um, to know your dream job, by the way. I figured I'd mix that in. Um, my dream, that's funny. Like everyone asks, like, I don't know if it's a wrong answer. Like, what's your goal? My goal, like, I just want to be around baseball as much as I possibly can. That's no, and that's no disrespect for teaching. I like teaching a lot. Like I enjoy seeing growth of, of, of an athlete from, you know, from August to May. I, I really do. But like, and you know me, like I'm not, I'm not an in-depth individual, man. Like I, I can't hold conversations about a lot of things that are happening in the world. I mean, you've seen in some of our chats, I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Like, do you watch the news? No, I, I don't. Um, so I guess my dream job for Berto, like it would be where I am around baseball from sun up to sundown. And I get to do that sometimes. Like there's some, there's some camps and USA stuff and there's some, some perfect game stuff where I get to do, you know, I'm well, you're doing it with your o'clock. high school practices. I mean, you're, that, yeah. that's the first I've heard of a high school coach doing yeah, that we, much. I, mean, I can't, I can't get enough of it. Levels. Um, sun, sun up, sun down. That would be my RCA dream job. Yeah. And, yeah, and level doesn't matter. Like I, like I know, like it'd be it'd be cool to be in a pro situation where I'm learning from like the best in the world and like trying to help guys like, you know, reach levels of career and, and trying to like, you know, with all that data technology, just be a sponge. That'd be awesome. The college guys are awesome too because like they have a little more intrinsic motivation, especially the JUCO level. Because, I mean, let's be real, nobody wanted to be there. Like they all wanted to be a pro guy, want to be a D1 guy. So they understood, okay, like I need to have a better work ethic, so to speak. And I was just there to say, Hey, what do you want to be? Like, let's just, how this has to happen. This is the work ethic. How are we going to work towards achieving where you want to be? So more collaborative piece, the high school guys I love because there's enthusiasm there. They're still like kind of young, wide eyed and open-minded. Um, 
but like, yeah, like just being around it as much as I possibly can. Like I said, level doesn't matter. Title doesn't matter. If I'm helping individuals grow around the game, like kind of maybe hope it translates to something else, then, then that's cool. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'd want to be just around it all the time. Hey, when, when you were putting your ABCA convention talk together for Chicago, I mean, how did you come up with that? Because I, I loved the talk because you're talking about being the best athletes that you can out there because outfielders don't always get love. I mean, when yeah. did that when did that pop in? Like, OK, this is where I want to start with this. Um, it it kind of goes back to when I first got an opportunity to, to, to coach at Arizona Western and, and being thrown in the outfield. Um, my short stint of playing when the outfield was we had our right fielder go down with a knee injury and then our left fielder go down with a shoulder injury. And our fourth outfielder was our Friday night guy. So I, I lied and I said, uh, Hey, I can, I'm an athlete. I can do this. Like I can be And knowing I cannot judge a fly ball to save my life then. Like I just wanted to be in the lineup, wanted to help contribute. Um, so that was kind of like, you know, anything that you need to like work extra in, like there's, there's been nuances that you have to kind of figure out yourself. And I think you have a better understanding of how to like kind of teach and coach that. But as far as the, as the, um, as the, as the talk at the ABCA, like, I just want to kind of emphasize that making it more attractive. Like, you know, like you said, like sometimes outfield is where the shortstop, you have two shortstops and one's going to get, stay in the dirt. Maybe one slides over to second. Maybe there's a third one. They got the bat plays, they go in the outfield. And I don't want it to be where that's kind of where the leftover guys go that bang. Um, and having that kind of background in the infield play, I kind of wanted to make it to where like, Hey, like, there's a skill set there too. We can read hops. We can have love work. Like there, there, I mean, us handling the baseball on the ground is just as important as in the infield. In fact, you know, just as important because now we're talking two, three bases if we kind of muff one. And we have the ability to kind of, like I said, keep keep runners in double play. Like we have an, uh, the team defense aspect of it to kind of keep run, runners in double play position. Um, but that talk was just, hey, let's get, let's, let's make outfield you know attractive and sexy so to speak like there's several drills that we can do that are fun instead of just popping stuff in the machine or hitting fungos and going run there's all kinds of short proximity things that, that you can do um and the, the i love the short like a lot of the drills that, that i showed was within 10 15 yards because now we're gaining a lot of reps quick first movements glove skill hand skill body control head snaps we get a lot more in as opposed to if i have them go to center field and we're just hitting fly balls or having run down balls in the gap, I mean, you're going to gas them and you're not going to get a lot of, a lot of, of, of opportunities to kind of to get some stuff in. So that was kind of the main idea of it to make it sexy and awesome. And you know, the athletes are out there. Like that's, that's, it's, it's vital. You know, it's important to not give up extra bases, but how do you do that without maybe making them too cautious where they're afraid to make plays in the outfield? Okay. So that, that's something that we kind of practice as well is, um, we have there's a there's a drill we do to where i have the outfielders purposely overthrow bases like air it out and what that does is that helps the infield like basically it's an infield it's an infield backup drill um and what that uh, what that does it, it goes back to team concept uh, it's team defense it's a team defense drill um i will have like so for example uh the right field ball shoot down the right field side you know we're trying to catch a long long double I want them, and I, I shorten the field, obviously, so the ball can carry a little bit. I want that right fielder to overthrow the second baseman on purpose if my backside outfielder is backing up. You know, I want I want to promote that that backup. Um, it's kind of funny. Like, they, like they'll airmail it, and it, like, it's just a habit. Like, oh, I'm supposed to be somewhere. Everybody's moving, right? Everybody's moving. So I think kind of stressing that it's going to be a team philosophy on the defensive side that we can go ahead and be free and aggressive for to throw the bases and that there's going to be backups. 
Um, Damian Hernandez does a great job of doing uh, our pitchers. Like we'll, when we have PFEs, like that's a station. We're backing up. We're pointing out. Like just so they know that there's going to be a safety net to wherever base they're going to throw. And it goes back to decision-making. Like if they make a wrong decision, then we're going to ask, hey, what did you see there? And if they have a decent rationale response, I'm okay with it. And then I kind of say my piece. Like, well, here's probably what you read wrong, but I see where you're coming from. And that's where the dialogue conversation comes into play. And I think that's where a little more growth happens too. And they, and they feel a little more like, Hey, you know, like there's going to be a conversation if I make a mistake, not just, not just the chewing. And then we, we want to understand why is why they made the decision. And then also on our end as a staff, like, okay, how can we help shore that decision-making process a little better? Who told you to be an ABCA member? Oh, dude. Okay. So Zeke Mitchum at Arizona Western, my first year, 2017. Um, we, so at the high school level, we'd always go to this like all sports clinic in, in Irvine. Um, it was like one room, like kind of a small, like one room was volleyball, one room was football, one room was baseball. And we'd go like as an athletic department, it was over our kind of a Christmas break. And then my first year at, at, at Arizona Western, 2017, it was in Anaheim. And uh, assistant says, hey, are we going to go to the convention this year? And I'm like, the what? Say, yeah, the ABCA. I'm like, yeah, I'm all about convention. I got to go to one Irvine. It's kind of small, but like this one big. Yeah, it's pretty big. Okay, cool. So um, it's like we can drive. So we drove, you know, Anaheim's like three hours and 45 minutes, whatever. And I remember like the first crazy experience was uh, my buddy, Dr. Steve Kelly, and he's, he coaches in, in uh, at Foothill in, in uh, Tustin, California. He gets to the convention center first and he goes, dude, this place is massive. And I'm thinking it's going to be like in a side small ballroom, whatever. Like once again, I had no clue what this was. I just knew it was a big convention. I saw the speakers and I'm like, dude, like, you know, I don't get starstruck too much. Like on like big leaguers, like I'll see a big leaguer, like a, at an event. I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's it's Andy Pettit. It's Charter Clemens. All right, cool. All right, cool, bud. But if I see like a college coach, like, oh, dude, it's so-and-so, whatever. So I was stoked about going. And then he's like, dude, we got it. Like, this is crazy. So he sends me a picture of the freaking convention center in Anaheim. And the dude, it's like a freaking concert. Like there's that like, was a wild setup. We, we haven't had that set up before because of the risers. You yeah. Know, that, that was the craziest thing about that setup at Anaheim is because there was risers in the convention hall area in the clinic hall area. yeah it was it was nuts and i'm like dude and i'm a professional wrestling guy so look like a titan tron like they come out on the screen and i'm like what do we got like this like you're at a concert so like i walk in i was just like blown away of the size of this i'm like hold this is a, a level i couldn't imagine and the whole you know how yeah, i am with gloves and whatnot like and then the whole expo with all the that was out of control like dude i i had to like put away the, the wallet for a little bit it was it was nuts thank god i like now they have to fly somewhere I'm a little more like I'm not buying fungos and stuff. I have to carry on or check bags. Like Anaheim, I was able to get some stuff to put in the car. But that first experience of 2017 was, it was awesome. And that's something I just try to do every year. Who was your favorite of the outfield Zoom chat guys that we had on those 11 weeks? Who was your favorite? Dylan, uh, Mazo. Yeah. Razo uh, from, from, um, from the Astros. Um, uh, him, I, I kind of knew him prior. Like to having him talk. He just th thinks in a different wavelength. Like, it's just a different spin, a different lens. Um, and he's kind of, like, secretive about it. Like, it, it's cool because, and I, and, I, and I respect and appreciate it to where, like, I'll ask him, like, hey, what are you doing? And then he'll, like, he'll pose it with a question, like, well, what would you do to increase vision? I, I, I saw him I saw him last ABCA, and I'm like, like, what do you got, man? What do you got for me? He's like, well, I'm working on some stuff with vision. What would you do? Yeah. And I'm like, well, and I'm kind of, like, rallying down the stuff I got. And he's, like, and he's like, you're close. Like, and like, I appreciate that, man. Like he won't just straight out, like, just give me everything. 
and I kind of have to work for a little bit. And then he'll kind of like, there's some stuff he can't, he can't reveal due to, to perpetrator reasons, like an organization, but like, he, he's, he's my favorite dude, how he breaks down, like his, you know, the timing of things and how like we can, you know, race a stopwatch and how like each segment of the relay comes into play. Um, yeah, that dude's rad, man. He's awesome. I mean, who are you bearing down on now in the, in the big leagues as far as outfielders? Mookie Betts. Still Mookie, Mookie, always Mookie, right? Yeah, still Mookie, man. We're not getting off Mookie, even though he's yeah, – I mean, dude, right? Like, he's dabbling in the infield. Like, he's making plays up the middle. Like, it's freaking crazy. Uh, he made a play on Sunday, you know, a carry him off the wall, bare hand pick up and throw through a guy out from the Rockies. Like, he's still he's still my guy, man. Like, it's just – he spins it to win it, man. He just – he does – it's infield actions in the outfield. Like it's so smooth and it, it's, it's a short arm action and the transfer's huge and the footwork's out. The footwork's phenomenal. Like, yeah, I can't, I can't get off him. It's awesome. Hey, with your Kofa guys, I mean, cause you said it, not, not every one of your guys is going to go play at the next level. So how do you balance that with communications? Like, okay, here's what it looks like at the next level, but maybe not all of you are going to get that opportunity because you don't want to crush so, kids dreams. No, no. And, and sometimes like, and that's the kind of like the, the, the double-edged sword. And I, I I'm honest, I'm, I'm really honest with people. And, you know, like, you know, sometimes people joke around like you're a dream crusher and I'm really not. I just, I just want to make sure that they understand the reality of it. And we're going to find out this year. We, we placed three guys. Um, we had, we had four seniors, three of them are having an opportunity to play uh, at the next level. Um, and what we tried to do here is, like I said, everything's optional in the fall. And I said, you know, and I, and I do this all the time. I said, how many guys want to play college baseball? And of course, everybody raises their hand. And I said, okay, the easy part is done. The easy part's done. You say you want to play. Awesome. Now, like, there's, there's some actions that need to take place for you to kind of follow, follow through with that kind of goal. So when we're running, you know, four to five days a week and we're trying to get, you know, we're lifting in class, we're lifting it. Like, we try to run them through, like, what a fall would look like at a JUCO level. Like, right? Because there's some, there's some restrictions at the Division One level where, you know, you have your you know, your, 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 your contact periods and whatnot. So like right then and there, like it's, Hey, you know, if you, if you can't show up, like if it's too much for you now, there's no switch. That's there's no switch. That's going to, that's going to switch or have that opportunity to come. If you have an opportunity to play at the next level. So we're going to see that now we have two guys, one guy's in the I uh, at Arizona Christian and one guy's at Riverside Community College, Juco. And one guy's going to try to walk on Arizona Western uh, three or four. And one thing I told him, I said, Hey, like, you went through us like it's you're going to have a, an advantage over a lot of high school guys who don't start in middle of August and roll through May. Like you're going to like you, they, they, they put in the time and they, they, they definitely understood that it's as sad as it sounds. It's like a job, but it's, it's a cool job, but there's some time management comes in play. And there's like, there's like the baseball college baseball guy. Like, think about it. Like they show up to campus it's a lifestyle fall. Yeah. And it's, it's not like we're, football you show up in the summer and then you're going and then you have that time off until spring baseball you're go go you're you're in the fall and then you have that kind of christmas thanksgiving break and then in the spring and then boom summer like it, it just doesn't stop so they have to understand that but as far as the communication piece on being real with people like and i think that's an advantage of, of me kind of getting out to the usa side and the perfect game side like i was at the junior all-american games a couple weeks ago in malibu and i got to be at uh the um, national showcase at Chase Field, like, and I get to see kids at that national level, and I come down to our level, and it's like, and I'm not comparing. I'm saying, hey, this is what it looks like in a different world, and a lot of our guys don't get out. Like the the, the travel ball scene here, that's what we try to do a lot with the practices that we we, we stress them with practices, but a lot of guys don't aren't in that kind of travel ball world. 
um, just because of finances. Like we live in a different socioeconomics down here. Um, so they, they don't get out and see that there's kids their age, kids younger that are throwing mid to low 90s and they're running six six sixties and their bat speed is insane. Like, so I kind of be that like informed, hey, you know, these guys are committed early. Like there's a place for you, but now we have to really kind of dive in and say, are you willing to move? You know, I understand that the, the, our, our social economics and demographics, like, you know, with, with the culture we have and the real strong fam, family base, like sometimes they don't, they don't want to leave and parents don't want them to leave. You know, that, that's a hard piece for them to, to kind of, to, to kind of cross, but you know, sometimes they'll just stay local and they'll just kind of go to school where they might have an opportunity, maybe somewhere in Iowa, you know, somewhere where there's a small NEIA where it might snow which a lot of kids are in our area don't have any i can speak for myself i want to chicago there's more hispanic pockets out there than than kids realize too though like yeah 100 100 yeah you're gonna find your tribe just, outside of of the area 100 because maybe and it's not necessarily Iowa, as finding, long as i have huge huge hispanic area and, and it's it's not only that too it's like it's just getting away from the nest yes. you know it's, it's a close environment here and it's like it's just it's hard because they don't get to do it like where you know we had so for example our, our assistant damien he was fortunate enough to play with an organization that he got to go to Georgia. He got to go to Florida in the summer, real fortunate. And when it came down to going to school, you know, we had him at Western and he had to go to South Mountain. Like he was just able to take care of himself. Like he was able to be away because he had that experience in the summer, you know, being in a hotel with another, another like chaperone, another player and kind of like, you know, being on his own where a lot of our guys don't get that experience. So it's kind of difficult for them to say, Hey, you know, you get a chance to go to play at a small school in Oregon, go. And it's it's just kind of a big culture shock for them. Not culture in general, but that that too. But also, it's a big leap. You know, living on their own. It's a big Heck leap. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. For kids never yeah. done it before. It's a it's a big leap. Yeah. And one thing that we can tell right away, another like teach piece was in the fall last year with our with our travel group. Uh, we got an Airbnb, and um, we kind of crashed like a five bedroom Airbnb in Phoenix. Went to a tournament, and we made them like, hey, you're gonna you're gonna have chores. Like you're going to like wake yourself up. You're gonna make your bed. You're going to do everything that you're like, you're going to, you're going to help with our, we had meals. Like we go to grocery store, like, Hey, you got the rice, you're on the grill, you're on dishes. Like you're putting stuff away. Like you're like, and it, you can kind of tell like who can live a little bit, like who's struggling, turn the shower on, like how to turn the shower on. Cause it's not their shower. You know, like sometimes it's pulled the knob down or it's like a freaking uh, master lock. It's like, you can tell kind of like who keeps their bed clean or who has their stuff organized, like in their bags and like kind of their little space in their rooms. Like, and that's that's like another teach piece. Like, hey, like, you want to be on your own? Like, cool. We want you too, but there's some things you got to clean up as well. Yeah. Who do you feel like spent the most to you in your baseball journey? Um. Oh wow. I, I think it goes by like segments, like parts of my life. You know, I, I think there's not like you know, get me getting into this. Um, my, my high school baseball coach Bill Laguna. Um, I was in his health class, and I was a TA for him, and like that's I watched him like i was a baseball guy in high school like i love baseball and watching his enthusiasm like that's kind of a cool job like that like he gets to coach baseball and gets to teach pe like that's cool i'm gonna do that and like that's all i knew like i was like you know i'm old enough to not know what travel ball baseball was i didn't get to i had to play babe ruth like i had to play babe ruth in the summer then i played basketball in the winter like when i was little i played soccer like i had to play sports because there was no baseball year round so the same kind of thing in high school i just knew i wanted to be a baseball coach and then as i got older and like you know 2014 like when the perfect game stuff started and i got through some of that like i realized there's like there's an evaluation piece to the baseball side of the world there's an event side of the world like there's so many avenues in the game that i was unaware of 
and then don't get me wrong, I still loved coaching. I still always wanted to do that. So like him getting involved in it and then just like people you meet along the way. Like it was just like, you know, that outfield group that we started that dude, that was just awesome as far as helping me branch out to people that I did not know. And I'm and it's it's weird, like my wife will get my wife will give me crap. Like in that in her social environments with her friends and like not baseball, I don't do well. Like I'm just kind of, <laughs> you know, introvert. But then she'll see me with other baseball people and I'm like going and she's like, who's that? I'm like, Oh, that's so-and-so. I remember we met, we met uh, one of the, he used to work for baseball America and then became a scout with Cleveland. I saw him at a U of A Oregon game and I saw him. I'm like, Hey dude, congrats on your gig. When I start talking to him, we started talking about players and evaluations. And then she's like, who's that? I'm like, Oh, that's so-and-so. Like I used to work, like we used to work at baseball America and I was with the Indians and the guardians now. And then she goes, no. And she points to me and I'm like, Oh, what, do you, what, what? She goes, I've never seen that. It's like, you're giggling, you're laughing, you're energetic. I'm like, yeah, sorry. So like guys along the way, um, the guys at Arizona Western um, just saw things from a different lens. Um, just how they went about uh, one thing, just kind of how he watched the game, um, watching off ball stuff, how to prepare like that work ethic. Um, even guys like um, when I first got into coaching high school, um, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, your high school coach, you coach football and you coach basketball. I, I, I coached football under Kevin Moore. And he kind of instilled like, hey, we, you know, we weren't very good in football, but we got okay because every every summer morning it was six thirty practice, and like it was that was kind of how we closed the gap. So I kind of like took that work ethic piece from him, and then we hired a basketball coach from Wisconsin. He came in, and he wanted to be on his staff, so he would. That's how I got like the idea of having coaching meetings before, and it helped that I'm really close with our coaches. Like it's we have a group chat, we talk about stuff all the time. But he started, he got the idea of filming practices and he, he treated it like it was a college because he came from a, a, a small division three in wisconsin and he treated the high school running like like a college as far as preparation on the on the staff side and that was, that was first for me to see hey like this is what a college staff looks like so i like so I took pieces from those two guys and kind of like applied it to what we always try to do when we got programs um and then just meeting people along the way like it's just you know you get you get your you're, not your goals don't change but you just pick up different philosophies from people and you implement it and they just serve as motivation guys. Like, like my guys, like my assistant, Eddie, like he, I love it. Like he's, he's probably mowing the grass right now. Like he takes so much pride in, in the, in the field. Like he, he, he takes pride in it and just, you know, keeping up with him. Like, it's awesome. Like he forces me to like, I can't take a day off. I can't take a moment off. Like he's, and he's constantly in my ear. Hey, we need to do this. We need to do this. And I'm in the same way with him. Like so it's back and forth. So guys like that just kind of push me and kind of give me like a different lens on the game and, you know, just kind of help me get better. Do you have a fail forward moment? Do you have something you thought was going to set you back, but looking now back now, it helped you move forward? Yeah, I, I was hoping you wouldn't ask this question. Um, Everybody has to answer it. Yeah, no, you do it. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I, I get I get a lot of positive responses from the listeners. They love this question, so that's why I keep asking it. Because no, people... and and the thing is, it, it's a good question because it's it's and. I've been fortunate to where like, I haven't had a, a, a severe tragedy. I, I, like I said, I've been, I've been really fortunate. My wife is super supportive. She lets me like basically do what I want to do as far as the baseball world. Like she takes care of the home front. Like the, my kids are awesome because of her. I got great kids. Um, so I've never, never been in a real, like I've never been fired. Like I've never been like let go of things, but like, to answer your question, anything you hesitated answer. along the way, like a decision that you hesitated. No, so like not... I'll I'll tell you what kind of shaped me. I tell you what kind of shaped me and kind of like really flipped me mentally. Um, my junior year, uh, we had uh, we we're in the state playoffs, and we we're in the, we're in the second round, first second round of the playoffs, 
and we're up. I'm playing second base. We're up four to three. Uh, runner on second base and ground ball hits my left side. Field it, you know, no problem. But as I'm, you know, bringing up to throw, the runner yelled. I mean, the runner didn't break like he was supposed to, like, you know, back side ball. They yelled go, and I, all of a sudden my arm dropped, and I pushed it. And first base in the picket, E4. Changed the complexion of the inning. And then next hit, base hit, scores a run. Now we're infield in. Ball hips off my hips. So I make two errors. They gave it an error. I should have had the play. I'd be the first to tell you I should have made the play. So I make two errors in that game. We lose. We lose and crushed, like just crushed. And um, that team that beat us ended up winning the state title. So you always kind of wonder, should have, could have, would have. And it, 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 I was devastated. So like that kind of put me in a mind frame. Like I, I never want to feel that again. Like I never want to let people down. So like that flipped my work ethic. Like I, I thought it worked okay, but like I was obsessed with defensive play from there. Um, I mean, we're talking like ground ball or ground ball, just obsessed with infield play. My senior year, I come back, I make two errors all year. And I, and I remember those two errors vividly. One was my last home game. It was a high hop, easy play. I missed, like I sailed like three feet right. It was kind of weird. I was like, what the heck? And then one play at Horizon, it was a 6-4 fl- feed. I kind of, I, I, I flipped, uh, drew the second baseman off, pulled the pulled the, uh, the runner. It's so crazy. I remember these vividly. But like th- what the, the takeaway of, of, of all that was I put so much time, effort, energy, and obsession into making myself a better defensive player because of those two errors. Like it still haunts me to this day. And like, that's why I, I can't watch the League World Series. Like if a kid makes it, like, I don't want games to end like that because I just feel for him, man. But like what it, what it did was it instilled like a value of, of, of preparation. And it, it gave me that confidence that like, and that's how I kind of am. Like, I, you, you know me, like I, you know, I tell you all the time, like, I don't think I'm awesome. I don't think I'm super smart. I don't think I'm talented. I just try to like outwork. Like I just try to work, work and work. So what that did for me mentally was, and it carried throughout like my collegiate, year, like, collegiate years was I knew if I were to prepare as best as I possibly could and a mistake happened, I, I, in my brain, it was a fluke. It was a glitch. That, that, that's not going to happen again because I would fall back on my preparation and work. And moving forward, you know, it, it worked. And then that's when I kind of run into, like, you know, we talk about mental game of baseball. Like, that's when I started getting into, like, the, the books. Like, you know, the mental game of baseball, you know, heads up baseball. And I ate that up because, like, that was me. Like, I was doubting myself. And then I started doing the, the, the work that went behind the scenes to it and it just made me kind of headstrong to where if something did pop up in negative sense, like, okay, let's process it. I've been enough, enough times in the cage. I, I've been in that situation before process, you know, chew it up. Cool. Get back, get back to mind frame. So that was kind of my fail for most. So making two errors kind of like kind of shaped the way I am as far as I work ethic and kind of being obsessive with things. Do you have any personal habits or routines that you like any evening, morning routines? I mean, you're, you're in great shape. So I mean, hey, thanks. Um, I, I, I try to go to the gym as much as I possibly can. Um, uh, it right now, since we're off, I'll go in the afternoons. Um, but in the, in the season, I'll, I'll try to go in the morning. I try to get that at least three or four times. Uh, as far as routines, I mean, what's changed you know, workout wise? I mean, you're in it, you teach it, you're, you're teaching it in high school. I mean, with your routine, your workouts, have they changed much over the years? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, I try to be a little more athletic now. I think because I'm just like, you know, trying not to be old. So I, I try to stay a little more explosive. So I'll, I'll do Olympic lifts. I'll, I'll, I'll power clean. I'll, I'll snatch. I'll kettlebell swing. I'll try to stay active there. Like, yeah, Grant, I'll do my upper body pump stuff too. But I'll try to go more of like a, a total body, like a maybe like an upper body one day of the week. 
and then two or three trying to be explosive. And then as far as like my cardio, uh, I can't remember the last time I ran distance. Um, I'll do sprints I used to be a big, still. Yes, yeah, sprints about the only thing I do running. Yeah, anymore. I did. I, I did a uh, I did a marathon back in the day. Like, I used to love running. Like, I used to love running long distance. I, I used to love it. God it's so time you. consuming. Yeah, but now like I'll be on the treadmill. Like I'll set it up to like eight or nine, and then I'll go like twenty second sprint, and then I'll jump it up to eight and a half, nine and a half, and I, like it's like a five minute five minute cycle of that intervals. I'm like breathing heavy, huffing and puffing, and I'm like I just feel like that's more bang for my buck. So just being more explosive as of late is kind of the biggest change. You stretch much? No, I'm I'm about as flexible as a well, rock. And you're um, not that concerned about getting old if you're not stretching. Well, and, and here's and here's what helps. Here's what helps is is part of our dynamic warm up in, in the, on the classroom side. Um, I break the classroom side. I really can't get. I don't get sports specific like we do with baseball movements and drop steps. Uh, I break it off into segments. So like uh, the first segment is kind of a stability mobility stuff. So we have hip mobility stuff, shoulder mobility stuff. So kind of we're taking some pieces out of yoga, Pilates, things like that. And I, and I will demonstrate every class period, you know, five, four times, four times a, uh, four times a day. So like, I think that, that kind of, so to answer your question, yes, I stretch. Um, so yes, I stretch during the course of the, of the week. Um, but as far as in the gym, nope, I just get in there and I'll kind of do one of these a little bit, jump up around and then we get, we get going, we get going. Hopefully, haven't been injured yet, knock on wood, but yeah. What are some final thoughts before I let you go? Because I know you got to catch a flight tomorrow. So, no, I I don't know. Um, you have any questions for me? Shoot. Uh, what? Yeah, I, I guess so. Like when you 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 get a lot of out of talking to people, right? Like I mean, I think it's like a two way street. I, I think I mean I know you long enough to be open minded. Um, what kind of, and I know you, you kind of in that, that sleep guy that you had at, at the ABC eight, like, and I know you venture off like your Back health and wellness. Form. I've used some, yeah. So I use some of your health and health and wellness stuff on your, on your podcast. We you had the health and wellness month. I use some of that in my class too. So like what, what's kind of like the biggest carryover from maybe like somebody you've spoken to uh, outside the baseball world that you've kind of like, Oh, you know, that, that really transition, it really ties in a lot of the baseball world. For me, it's pers it's always personal development. And I know people probably look at me and they're like, man, that routine's crazy, but it's been like a lifelong journey of trying to add things in. And you know, this, this the reason I do the mental health episodes is because we're in a epidemic right now. You know, that's mm -hmm. what our pandemic is, is suicide. And I just said, I just checked the suicide rates for, last year and they've gone up like that, that number is not going down. So, you know, for me from a personal mental health, but also helping people with their mental health, I feel like that's kind of the journey that I'm on now from a personal development piece to, to one to help my mental health. But then yeah. hopefully the byproduct of that is to help somebody else's mental health as well, because that number is frightening. It's over 50,000 people now. So do, it, do you think so for me, that number is frightening and I don't, it shouldn't be a thing. Um, I know we're going to have it that will, that will never go away, but that number for Americans shouldn't be 50,000 people for right. two years Do you ago. think what's, I mean, what's that, what's the, how do you bridge that gap to kind of improvement? Do you think it's a physical aspect, like, like physical health? It's a whole, it like, has to be a holistic approach. I, I know yeah. that you're going to lose Social some people, yeah, like some people, you're going to lose some people because of it. But I, I think the holistic approach, whether it's, you know, personal, but also government, I think there's a lot of things that, that we could do to, to alleviate where we're heading. 
Um, yeah. Some of it's education, but some a lot of it's resources, and there's just not enough resources for people to, to get the help that they need. So, right, you know, hopefully I can help in, in a small way with that piece for somebody that's listening in. And, you know, I did the Walking Tall one with Chris and, and Todd, and yeah. that was a big one about reaching out. Like, I, I think, you know, mm-hmm. especially when you're dealing with males, I think it's really hard for males to, to ask for help because in our society, you're not supposed to ask for help. So right. I think that's a big piece of it is, is getting people comfortable with being vulnerable enough, vulnerable enough to ask for help when they need it. And we're mm-hmm. just, we're a long way from, from where yeah. we need to be with that. Just like the, it's, it's, it's okay not to be okay. Sometimes yeah, kind just, of thing. just yeah. ask for help. Just, you'd yeah. be surprised. I think people, you know, when that, when they get that way, I just feel like they feel like they're on, on an island and they can't ask for help. So right. that's no, that kind of leads me to like a final thought. Like, you know, you talk about health, like help, help. I mean, you're it, right it, in it so, with your high school age kids. Yeah. That, that oh, is yeah. one of the demographics. Um, and, and that's that what is the a big large piece number is, is high school and then older, older adult males. Yeah. And, that, and that's where we come down. Like our first week, we're told, hey, let's kick back on the curriculum base and the content. Let's build relationships. Like let's build up a positive environment where they're might be in a situation where they're comfortable they can ask for help but like Definitely. the final thought like real quick talk about help like one thing i want to do is i give thank yous like um my, my wife carly like with without her none of this happens like i mean people think she's crazy sometimes like your husband's always gone like yeah but like she's super independent like she's done a fantastic job she kind of lets me do what, what I, you know chase, chase, chase the passion so to speak um super grateful for her like i said she's done a great job with my, our two kids, a 14-year-old kid, a 14-year-old boy. He's a freshman now in high school. He's here. And then my daughter's a swimmer. She's 12. And then Get him around you know, as much as possible because I now have oh, two in college. Day. And um, I, you just never know if you're going to see him a whole lot now once they're yeah, out of the house. Yeah, and that, that it's, it's a little – it's easier with him because he gets to, he's at that stage now where he's, he's doing his events with – every event I'm at, he's with me. Like So he's like my travel buddy, and it's been awesome. Uh, my daughter, I need to do a lot better job, honestly, being a little terrible to swim. Um, but like, she does a great job. But you talk about help too, like in the support, like in every administration I've had in the past, like you know, 15 years, they've been super, super supportive. Like, I mean, I'm missing three days of school this week and next week, and I've like, I'm in debt. Like, I tell them, hey, once this August trip rolls around, you ask me to do something, I'm there. So like, my my principals, Mike Sharp, Lily Compa, Gina Thompson, Kathy Hoover, like administration I had have been super supportive like without them like you know you know how the support system works like without them like we can't do what we do, do without it. people that are 100 percent. yeah and I'm super grateful for them and and I sometimes I'm not awesome at telling them how grateful I am but like I wanted to kind of throw that in this so I've had an opportunity to I'll think of am for those people to help me out do not do it. all right Gabe safe travels love you my friend appreciate thank you thank you you gonna be out and carry anytime next two weeks Fantastic. Hey, thanks for having me. This has been a blast, man. I appreciate you, man. Super honored and grateful. Thank you. I'm proud to call Coach Ortiz a friend. I always feel like I'm improving after I talk to him. He's helped me think about player development in a lot of different ways. Thanks again to Jim Richardson, John Litchfield, Zach Hale, Matt West, and Antonio Walker in the ABC office for all their help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email, rbrownleeatabca.org, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at CoachB underscore ABCA, or direct message me via the MyABCA app. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks, and leave it better for those behind you. In the world, keeps on turning.